listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, this Monday afternoon. Let's start the week with a bit of good news. Earlier last month, China has announced they will remove the use of pangolin scales and other parts used for preparing traditional Chinese medicine and also raise the animal's protection level, meaning that pangolins are now under the first-class state protection, according to China's National Forestry and Greenland Administration. So what does this mean for the future of these animals, of the Chinese pangolins, and how will this affect their consumption and also the trade? To talk about this, I'm delighted to be joined on the program by Dr. David Olson, the Director of Conservation at WWF Hong Kong. Welcome to the program, David, and thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. It's great to be here. So we are on Facebook Live as well, so feel free to join us there. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. So before we talk about this decision, David, maybe let's talk a little bit more about pangolins. Um, Where are they found in Hong Kong? And, you know, I was talking to you before the program started. Many people actually don't know a lot about this mysterious animal. So talk a little bit about them. What are are pangolins? Pangolins are a, a very ancient group of animals that about 60 million years ago broke off from carnivores, which are like dogs and cats. So, but they have a very long lineage. They've, they've specialized on eating ants and termites. And so they, they have a lot of ad- adaptations for this. They have very long tongues. They have very uh, diminutive teeth. And they grind up their food with rocks in their guts. They also have they scales. grind up their food with rocks? In their it's guts, very... like, a, like a chicken. Yes. They have gizzards, kind of. And they have scales, which over time are its hair that's become uh, uh, matted together to form these scales that when the pangolin curls up, it can form a well-protected ball, which protects it from predators, but also it protects it from skin wounds because they have very low uh, immunity for some reason uh, to, to pathogens. So it helps them while they're crawling in burrows or up in trees and stuff. Helps their, it protects their skin as well. So they are mammals, but instead of being covered in fur or hair, it, it's the scales. How, how many scales do they do? Well, so many. Uh, they... It's still hair. It's just uh, modified hair. Modif- it's still yeah, keratin. It's still keratin. Sure. That's right. And they, they have scales that cover pretty much their entire body, except for parts of their belly and parts around their face and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and so on. And the scales are fairly light, but in the giant pangolin from Africa, they're very thick and heavy, almost like a horse hoof. So those are very big animals compared yeah. to the ones. But the ones here in Hong Kong, the Chinese pangolin, um, they're, they're smaller. They're mainly nocturnal animals. They come out to feed at night in ant nests and termite nests. And uh, they curl up in a ball or in a burrow in the day, typically. And Hong Kong is one of the uh, important localities for this species. Their populations have declined about 90% or so over the last two decades throughout their range. Hong Kong has a great country park uh, network and it's offered a refuge for these animals. And they are known from a number of localities, although people keep it very quiet where they're found. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm born and raised here. I've never actually encountered one. They're, they're nocturnal, so perhaps that's... That's right. We, you can see them on camera traps on occasion, but to see one in the day, you have to go to a fairly remote area and also spend a lot of time in the woods to yeah. actually see one. It'd be very difficult. You've worked with them in the past, yeah, in, in Africa, we, we did a lot of camera trapping and looked at burrows of the giant pangolin in particular, and we, we never saw them. We only see them on cameras, but uh, they, they are threatened. People hunt them with dogs, 
and to go into the burrows and pull them out because of the value of the scales now. Yeah, well, let's talk about these scales. So traditionally, I mean, what are they really used for then? What do people think they're valuable for? Well, pangolins have been used for millennia by people. Uh, people eat them. Um, it's sometimes for health purposes. In Africa, uh, pregnant women will eat pangolin because it's supposed to be good for lactation. And uh, there are other... other uh, um, I read it's for good for arthritis as well. Well for for circulation and for um, good immunity and, and many different purposes. Uh, the scales are often ground down and put into traditional Chinese medicine as well for purposes, a range of purposes to help circulation again, to help immunity, also for, for pregnant women's health and so mm. on. So there's a wide, a wide range of, of uses that pangolin have it done. Actually, in, in Africa, the, uh, sometimes the ladies in the villages would use the scales as fake fingernails, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. But that was long ago before the the price went up, and now they, the, there's a, a big illegal trade in the scale of pangolin now. Yeah. How much is it sort of to, to purchase these these um, pangolin scales, d depending on where you are in the world? W what is the market value of it? Well, well, over the last few years, they're very valuable. It's almost getting close to the value of gold in some at one point. Um, so, I mean, the, in 2019, the, uh, the profits, global profits were estimated in, in the millions of US dollars, millions and millions. And about uh, 90 tons of pangolin scale were imported from Africa into, into Asia in 2019 as well. And there really has not been a, much of a reduction as best we can, we can tell. Wow, so this is really a global trade. It's not something that, you know, trade in Southeast Asia or in China alone. It really is from around the world in Africa. Yes, uh, and, and from Southeast Asia as well, as well as some, uh, there's not there's not many pangolin left in, in China, so uh, that's not the primary source. The primary source is Africa presently, and it's the white-bellied pangolin, and it's the giant pangolin, or the two primary species that are involved in the illegal wildlife trade, which is run by global crime syndicates it's organized crime yeah so there are eight different so i read there were eight different species of pangolins which are the most sought after uh, species then well the most sought after are the giant pangolins because the scales are really large they're like it's like a horse hoof there's a lot of scale there so they're very valuable and but there's not as many as uh the smaller pangolins because the densities are lower and they're they're very easy to hunt so we're we're quite concerned about their future in, in African forests right yeah. now. They only find them in the rainforest and some savanna areas. Do we have a number of sort of how, how, how many are left in the world, roughly? Uh, we don't really know. Because they're yeah. so, you don't really get to see a lot of them. They're so secretive. There's starting to be some good research done on densities, and you look at how many are found on average in a given area, how much hunting there is, and how much of that habitat is left. So you try to estimate is is how many are around still, but really the trends we believe are going down. And you can monitor this through, like using camera traps, which capture images of animals, animals how often you, you get a photo and so on. Yeah. Um, but given the volumes of pangolin scale that we are seeing in seizures, and we are estimating in the illegal wildlife trade, the populations can't be sustained. They will be 
uh, ecologically extinct over vast areas and will be on their way out if it continues. With pangolins, are they mainly used for their scales? What about the other parts of them? You know, like with shark fin, really, they, they take the fin and then they throw the shark back into right. the sea. But what about the pangolin? In in Africa, the illegal wildlife trade pangolin, the the scales are taken off and those are the the parts that are sent to Asia. The other body parts are, are sold for bushmeat and people people do eat them. In Asia there there's a market from Malaysia and Indonesia and so on of pangolins as well. And they will be descaled, the scales will be set aside and also sold and then the bodies will be frozen and sent into the consumption trade. So uh, they're used for for different purposes. Either consumption or they use the blood for medicines as well. Wow. Well, let's talk about this sort of new status, if you can say, for, for, for Chinese pangolins, that, that, that w- will there be better protection for them after all, since China has sort of um, officially removed the Chinese pangolins from their traditional Chinese medicine list? What does that exactly mean? Well, there's been two big um, uh, events that have occurred in, in China. And the first is the, the government uplisted the China, the Sunda, and uh, the Indian pangolin to first-class protection, state protection, which gives uh, them greater penalties for people who poach them. It also eliminates them from uh, being used in, in medicines that include pangolin ingredients in the national insurance plan, which is an important step as well. So it's really a recognition by the government that uh, these animals really are threatened around the world and they are doing what they can to help help protect them. The the second um, event that has occurred has been the National Traditional Chinese Medicine Administration has removed pangolin from the key ingredient section of the pharmacopoeia, which they publish regularly. And what this does is it, it shows a recognition that pangolins are, thre- are threatened and uh, they really shouldn't be used as ingredients. However, the uh, pharmacopoeia has appendices that have prescriptions or formulae that about 60 different formulae are, do in- include um, pangolins as one of their ingredients. And because they're listed in the formulae, Practitioners and the patent medicine companies are still legally allowed to use pangolins as an ingredient, and they can access the stockpiles of pangolin scales because there's big stockpiles. And and conservationists believe um, that it's these stockpiles that are driving the illegal wildlife trade. This the big. Um, shipments coming in or going into these stockpiles that are being used by the patent medicine mm. uh, companies. Yeah, so what what we would like t- to see, uh, we conservationists think that there are some important next steps uh, to really secure a future for pangolins. These are, these are great, uh, great advances. These are great steps that, that China has taken. Uh, one is that we would we would uh, we would hope to see that the stockpiles be uh, destroyed. That would be a real show of support for pangolin conservation around the world. That they would no longer be able to be used for patent medicines as well. There the would be- trouble with destroying the stockpile, as many people would argue, then that would that might also have an effect with driving up illegal poaching more so because it's more sought after. You know, there's you don't have that stockpile to fall back on, so we're just going to go go out and, and catch more um, pangolins? Uh, 
it's uncertain as to how it would play out. But certainly in Asia, there's not many pangolins left in the woods here. Most of them have been have been uh, decimated. The populations in, in Africa, without the stockpiles, we think the the price would go down and the demand would go down considerably. It would disrupt the trade. Uh, but we're not sure. Yeah. We're, we're hoping that there will be some, uh, in, in addition to those steps, that there will be some clarification on the part of the government as to how the stockpiles will be managed into the future if they're not destroyed. And also what will happen with companies that continue to use pangolins in some of their prescriptions, as well as uh, some clarity on what will happen with those other uh, uh, species of pangolin sc scales if they are uh, seized or are being used. Yeah. So there's a few more steps, but it's really heading in the right direction, and we're we're very uh, it's very laudable on the part of the the government of China as well as the TCM industry to start. Uh, taking pangolin conservation more seriously. Yeah, the, the Chinese pangolin has, of course, also been under the in the spotlight in this past year um, because it it's been shown that it could be a potential host um, for the coronavirus as well. Uh, um, what are your thoughts on that? Will that also, in a way, um, make people think twice uh, before consuming uh, <laughs> pangolins? Yeah, they, there was a study done on uh, Malayan pangolins that were seized here for consumption. And it, they had coronaviruses. Pangolin are known around the world to have a quite a, um, to host a large number of pathogens, including coronaviruses, similar to bats. They have unusual immune systems like bats do, and they're down in burrows with bats. A study came out last two weeks ago that giant pangolin burrows in Africa are full of bats. So oh. they're, they're rubbing, <laughs> literally rubbing shoulders with bats in, in their lifestyle. So they, they could potentially pick up coronaviruses from bats, from bats which, are, yes. which are the, um, at least for the, the current uh, COVID-19 virus, the greater horseshoe bat in, in uh, Asia is believed to be the primary host. Uh, but there are some indications that some of the, the sequences in the coronas of the, the COVID-19 virus do match the pangolin coronaviruses they saw. So there's a bit of uncertainty. There's a lot of speculation, but it, there's growing interest in pangolins as an intermediate host. Uh, well, the virus is unlikely to survive on scales, of course. Um, over time and whether they survive in a frozen carcass is uncertain as well but I, I wouldn't handle a live pangolin yeah. you know, with, if I was concerned about, about uh, uh, pathogen spillover I mean I have handled pangolins but we always washed our hands and we're very cautious about it because yeah. we, we know that they were one of the higher risk species that uh, that does carry a lot of, uh, of pathogens that have been or have the potential to infect humans. Wow. Okay. Well, now that we know, if we see one around Hong Kong, don't don't touch them. Not that we would be lucky enough to yeah. see one. They're so rare. They, and they are protected. Hong Kong has yes. uh, a number of uh, a number of laws that uh, that do protect them. And but occasionally they do they do wander into more rural urban areas. But it's pretty rare. They get attacked by dogs quite a bit. So the ones they often find, AFCD will find, or have been attacked by dogs, yeah. feral dogs, and so on. How big are the ones found in Hong Kong? They're quite small. Oh, I know we're on radio, but they're about this big. Yeah, which is about a about, meter, just under a about meter. A, not even a meter. Wow. Yeah, not even a meter. The, the Chinese pangolin is not a really, really large pangolin. Yeah. And, the, and the giant one you mentioned. The giant one's over two meters. Wow. Yeah, they get very big. It's 
Yeah, it's big. Okay. Well, David, thank you so much for your sharing. Remind our listeners once again, if we want to find out more about you and your work at uh, WWF Hong Kong and how we can support, um, you know, conservations uh, of pangolins and other animals, where can we find you? Well, the website's the first stop. Excellent. World Wildlife on Hong Kong, WWF Hong Kong. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time uh, today, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. And that's Dr. David Olson, the Director of Conservation at WWF Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed for your time.